if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Bank System Podcast 142. This is our 2020 Alfred Dunhill Championship episode. Barry O'Hanrahan and Paul Williams join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's European Tour action. Good morning, chaps. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. European Tour to the fore this week. It's very mm. exciting, isn't it? Indeed. No PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit BeGambleAware.org for more information and, of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews. Paul has done his uh, in-depth Alfred Dunhill preview this week. Masses of tournament statistics and our predictor models, all available completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. Barry is at a good talk golf. Paul is at uh, golf betting. And I'm at Bamford Golf on Twitter. You can join our golf betting system Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the golf betting show most weeks, but not this week. Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That is the podcast currency and drives our list of numbers. Now, I mentioned in last week's show, we've had an influx. It's great. So I'll read out a couple for you. Now, we've got an Irish flavour this week, Barry. We've got two from the Republic of Ireland. Uh, First one, best golf tipping podcast out there, five stars. Have been a fan of Golf Betting System for a number of years. Without doubt, the best golf tipping podcast out there. Has made me a fair amount of money down the years. Hats off to the team. And that is from Do Sully 8 in Ireland. So thank you for that, Sully 8. We, uh, we appreciate that greatly. And then the second one I'll read this week. The best there is, and it gets better and better is the title. This is, I believe me, listeners, I do not make these up. These are genuine <laughs> reviews from you guys, okay? Uh, five stars. I've been following Steve Bamford on Twitter for the last decade, you poor soul. His <laughs> tweets and his website have had invaluable information over the years. Three or four years ago, he took things to the next level with this podcast with his friends, Paul and Barry. It's like a, it's like a story that I tell... Tell my son before bedtime every day. With his friends, Paul and Barry. Every week, every week they thrash out the upcoming PGA and European Tour events. The course, the players, the favourites and the outsiders. And they do so in a straightforward manner with some natural humour thrown in. There is no group think with their tips. They have their own minds and put up their own selections. Yeah, losing ones. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I've tried a few other podcasts. They're either died a death or the presenters are over-exuberant, verging on obnoxious. The Golf Betting System podcast is the best there is. 
capital letters, fact, exclamation mark. And that is from William Burke, and he is in Cork in the Republic of Ireland. That William, is class. I think that's the nicest review we've ever had. Mm, very good. Well, th- thanks to both those reviews. They're very much appreciated. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's always nice to hear um, nice, happy thoughts about the stuff that we do, um, even when we have an absolute shocker like um, like last week. But um, that's the game we live in, the game that we play. And, well, let's uh, review last week, shall we? It has to be done. I know we? that Barry's literally... I think you're on you're on um, suicide watch over there, aren't you, Baron? Yeah, I got strep throat. You got, you got strep. Yeah, let's I got for, let's, let's not forget Paul with his four missed cuts, with his uh, <laughs> with his four selections. That that went beautifully. Oh, that is hard. Okay, it's hard off. to do. Like you couldn't put that in an accumulator and make it happen, especially yeah. four lads that you fancied to, to actually uh, do well in the tournament. So his West Indian pace man started okay, Malcolm Marshall, whatever his name was, and then that 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 soon went. Bit but it, it, it was well with, with Malcolm and um, at one point he was sitting there in second place and you look at it thinking, <laughs> where was that <laughs> three was holes that, in <laughs> yeah, no, he, he was five under through well, according to the European Tour leaderboard anyway he was five, five under through about 13 14 I was sitting in second place on Thursday yeah. and I'm thinking well I've not backed him first round leader which is a bit of a bit of a mistake but yeah it's nice to see him in the right spot um and then the correction for the leaderboard comes through and suddenly yep. a birdie becomes a bogey and he's down to three under. Right, and okay. from there, it was just a steady slide backwards. And the sad thing is, you get to a point, or I got to a point, where he was my final hope of making the cut. Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, there was a, the rain delay came back out and banged in a treble bogey and you're just like, right, what am I going to do over. this weekend then? Yeah, yeah. let's start planning for the uh, Alfred Dunhill Championship instead because uh, it was an absolute... Uh, uh, Wash out, but uh, these things happen in this game. So uh, dust yourself off. Have another Be- go this week. Being serious for thirty seconds, I know it's difficult. Did you did you take some learnings from last week in a overall way, or just a? Well, I don't know. It's you know, I, I don't, I don't think the rationale for the players that I put up was incorrect, but um, well, clearly it was. <laughs> I mean, I think I think the lesson to be learned here is that you can hedge your weekly bets by putting them all into a miscut accumulator. <laughs> they go, yeah. <laughs> what about the actual? I was actually I wasn't actually having a pop at you there, Paul. That came across wrong, wrongly, mm. uh, poorly. Um, I was. What about Wilco, the winner? Was it Wilco? No, 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 no. no. Jamie oh no, he one, didn't. didn't he? he he had the lead, didn't he? He did. And, he was and then three... it, he got caught. He was three clear um, at the turn on Sunday, and um, I saw he traded down at one point one four. I think, think I saw yeah. quoted, um, and looked very much the very much the winner. He was mm. clearly playing some great stuff, and he's clearly a talented lad. You know, we've all seen this. He's, his form's been a bit off the last few weeks, which uh, put pretty much everyone off him. Um, but uh, he clearly found it back in his homeland and was playing some cracking stuff. But um, but yeah, Jamie Hansen produced a bogey free wow. final round. We've I, I, seen with you know, Jamie Hansen in the past, he's produced some absolute shocking um, shots when pushes come to shove. And, you know, the, 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 the hot end of a tournament where he's really needed to pull out a shot, he's, he's played a, an absolute shocker. And um, this time he played a blinder. He was, he was composed and, uh, you know, effective coming down the stretch. And to shoot a bogey-free final round and win your first title, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty impressive. So, 
I, you know, I, I kind of alluded to this in the preview that I've written this week, and you know, is is this a symptom of the situation that the players find themselves in, where there aren't any crowds and there's potentially less pressure, and you know, the players that have seemingly struggled to get over the line before, or have struggled a bit with nerves or whatever the, the you know, the, the the way it manifested, and and that's seemingly changing. You know, a lot of first time winners and. A lot of older guys who've not won for a few years finding that that week of um, magical form that gets them over the line. And, you know, yeah. Streb's another example, isn't he? Yeah. You'd, have done, you'd have done particularly well um, to pick Streb out unless you're just looking at previous winners of the tournament and just uh, just backing them blindly because there's not a lot there, was there? No. Hansen, Hansen was incredible on Sunday. Like A few mm. of the pars he made were like... Probably genuine shocks to uh, Ninaber. You know, just thinking, oh, he has to make a bogey here. Give me a little breathing room, and it yeah. just never, it just never materialised. And I guess the, you know the pressure just got that little bit too much, and Ninaber just like turned one over a little bit too long on seventeen. And I mean, it was like virtually impossible up and down. And, and that was uh, that was all she wrote, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly uh, Ninaber, one a guy we'll all be watching very closely because. That is a hell of a golf swing without being violent, and it also comes without the massive ego and um, constant like talking to the media about what he's doing to hit the ball long. He just he just has it, yeah. uh, so it's yeah, just very quietly very, smashes it an absolute mile. No, it? it's, it's it's disgusting the amount of power <laughs> he has uh, that looks so effortless. I mean, you you could almost. Uh, put it like analogous to Ernie L's like makes it look so smooth and effortless and the ball just went miles when Ernie was back in his pump so yeah anyway yeah Streb absolutely just broke my heart I mean like, like I know I have Kisner on kind of an auto back but yeah I knew he was you know one of you sent me a, a local Augusta new, newspaper article I think it was about Kisner before the Masters and he'd said he was working really hard on his long irons and for the Masters, so you know that that did kind of help you know commit to, to backing him last week because he knew he'd put the work in, and then he's going mm-hmm. to a golf course that it's a little bit better, I guess, or more suited to him competing on, and one he'd won on before. So it was it was a real no brainer last week backing him, and he makes one bogey in seventy four holes, and he and he doesn't win the tournament. Shoots a Sunday sixty three, and look, there's a you know there's a lesson to be learned there in on the second playoff hole. You know, he missed to the wrong side of the fairway and left himself a terrible angle for that pin. You know, never mind the fact that he was in the uh, in the probably the thickest patch of rough in the entire place. Yeah. It was a gnarly lie he had, so there's just no hope. And then Streb hits shot shot of the week um, after escaping with a par on the the first playoff hole. I thought I was in business when Streb hit the tee shot into the bunker on the first playoff hole and then he yeah. pu- and then he pulled it left again but he just dodged the bunker the second time round i mean it's these tiny things there there's that difference and uh yeah that one's stung because i'm not uh for some reason myself uh i don't i don't seem to like the look of robert streb i don't know why uh, i can't explain it but uh he's on my x list and he's cemented there forever now so. <laughs> yes as i was say like last weekend won't have um, improved his position on <laughs> no, no. well look i don't know we, you know full place payout um on to the next week it sucks mm. but what can you do look forward and let's see what happens in the alfred dunhill which every time i hear alfred dunhill like it's beautiful 
beautiful sponsorship they have uh, of golf. And it's forever associated in my head with the uh, the Lynx, the Pro-Am up in Scotland. Mm. You know, so every yeah. time I see an Alfred Dunhill, I'm like, oh, great, they're playing Scotland this week. Like, no, sorry, you're down in South Africa and you're not playing Lynx courses, so. Yeah, just a, just a few thousand miles due south and <laughs> yeah. what must be about 50 degrees Fahrenheit warmer down there than it is uh, up in Scotland right now. Looks if, you like had a, a list of, if you had a list of players last week that are heavily backed at that RSM, Pat and Kazire have been backed in for oh, off the boards, wasn't it? Off the boards, and uh, I said on the podcast to Paul, my fear with him was he wasn't hitting in nearly enough fairways, and it came to haunt him in the end. But he, he, you know, he was putting. He, he strokes game putting number one for the week. Oh man, if you if and, you could get a decent long game out of him, he'd be unstoppable, mate. wouldn't he? And then he. He got grouped on the Saturday with Harris English, and you think to yourself, well, they're both good friends. They both live on the island. That's going to go well, surely. And it just went horribly. I think mean, it was because I was like five or six over for the front nine, and Harris English ejected. And this is it, isn't it? For a guy like Harris English, 30 to 1, hasn't won since 2013. You're backing him at 30 to 1 because he's had a great year in good nick. And Saturday, just ejected. Totally ejected. So, Kaziah fell out of the running there. Uh, Zach Johnson had been backed in amazingly. He then goes... He he then... Did he triple a par five or something on the the front nine Sunday? Yeah. I know Matt Neesmith. I was on Neesmith who'd played some really nice golf. He was ranking number one for strokes gained total on the... um, on the seaside course. Yeah, but cracking, what was his second round? 63 on the Sunday, yeah. Saturday, on the Friday, and then back that up with a 66 on the Saturday. Mm. Just sitting there, tied eighth, I thought, yeah. 125 to one each way. No pressure on him, hasn't been interviewed. He'll just tick along, hopefully. Grab a grab a top eight and we get out there, 125 to one each way. Played okay, just shot two under, didn't do anything crazy. But no. everyone that got hideously back last week, including Kisner, all just felt. I mean, in the end, Zach Johnson got a tie, a tie for sixth with uh, four others. So yeah, your each way return on that is like zilch. Because uh, I ended up tenth. <laughs> oh dear, and Neesmith fifteenth, and that, those and Kisner, of course, also very very well backed. Gets in a playoff and loses to three hundred and fifty to one shot Robert Streb. I think the whole betting community last week were just cutting their wrists at the yeah, RSM Classic. There was a big collective sigh. I mean, I wasn't on either of them, so from a personal perspective, it wasn't an issue. But uh, there were, you know, there were a lot of people, particularly on Kaziah, there were a lot of people mm. um, looking for that result. And uh, you know, he, he, as you said on Saturday, he, he started off poorly, but he still pulled it back to level par. He's made three late birdies, and again, you know, the guys that backed him were just. Sitting there clinging on to the you know the hope that he could put together eighteen holes where he just wasn't in the uh, in the native area of every other hole, but uh, it just just still didn't happen. Here you go. I, I I mentioned this off mic to you guys. Here are the prices of the winners on the new on the new season of the new season without the majors. Uh, Stuart Sink two hundred to one. Hudson Swafford two hundred to one. Sergio Garcia seventy to one. And Martin Laird two hundred seventy five to one. Jason Kokrag, 100 to 1. Patrick Cantley at 28 to 1.
Brian Gay at 200 to 1, Carlos Ortiz at 160 to 1, and now Robert Streb, the biggest of the bunch, 350 to 1. Those are the times we're living in on the PGA Tour. Would be some time to have the almanac from Back to the Future, wouldn't it? <laughs> mm. Yeah, that is, uh, that is golf betting for you. We have it? no, pe- we have. Well, it's just you do go. I mean, we've been doing this a long time, haven't we, gents? You just go through these weeks and months where crazy things happen, and eventually things will return to some kind of normality. Where hopefully players, you know, twenty-five to fifty to one kind of juicy segment sixty-sixes will start landing some wins. We'll, we'll, we, we will see. Uh, we've got no PGA Tour action this week. They've moved the Mayakoba tournament to next week, which traditionally has been Tiger's World Challenge. Uh, so we've got a week off, uh, and that will be the final PGA Tour event of December. I just I have been looking at the Mayakoba field, just out of interest, and well, well played to the Mayakoba organisers. They actually give you an update of what's happening with their field. Uh, it looks like a great field, it has to be said. We've got the world number one, the world number three. We've also got 12, 13 and 19, 22 and 25. So that works out as seven of the top 25 and five of the top 20 in next week's field at the Mayakoba in Mexico. Mm, impressive. And as Barry said off mic, you, you tend to struggle to get one of the top 20 most years. So I'm quite looking forward to that. Answer Burger, English Finau, Ricky Fowler, I'm going to talk about in a little while, Victor Hovland, DJ, fresh from his Masters victory, Brooks Kepka, Mark Leishman, Joking Vonderkind Neiman, Justin Thomas and Gary Woodland. And we still have a week for entries, so you may, uh, you may or four days, you may find that that gets even better. Should be a good end to the season. Should, should be a good end to the season there. Now, Ricky Fowler. I know that he's a particular favourite of yours, Barry. He hasn't had the best of seasons. We all know that. Clearly, gone through you know swing reconstruction, and you see green shoots. Um, he's currently world number forty-eight as we sit here today. Mm, perilous. I just had a little dig this morning. Last time Ricky Fowler was outside the world's top 50, 2011 Open Championship played at Sandwich. And he'd only been a professional then two years. He hit the scene in 2009. Mm. And you actually look at the PJ Tour website. At the moment, he's sitting there with no Masters invite for next year. He's got no invites to the WGCs because he has, you know, to get that he needs to be in that world top fifty at the turn of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is last chance next week then. It is. There's That's no, it. there's no, um, there's no hits and giggle world challenge no, this year. No, no. So you can't rely on that. Got to come up with something mm. because. As we keep keep saying week after week at this time of year, and then it, and it's true, there are lots of people vying for that world top fifty spot. He's yeah, at forty eight. Yeah. Mackenzie Hughes at forty nine. Matt Wallace has fingernailed himself up last week at the RSM from fifty three to fifty. Kevin Streelman fifty one. Reevy fifty two. Eric Van Ruen fifty three. Corey Connors is on a roll at fifty four. Russell Henley at fifty five. 
Even Henrik Stenson showed some, uh, showed some green shoots. Uh, it was an interesting six, round. Yeah. 63 in the final round, didn't he, at mm. Sea Island? He's at 58th in the world. And yeah, he's he, been off the ball for a bit as well, hasn't he? Uh, will he be in the... T- is he going to be able to play the... Um, Dubai events? Is he? Has he got ranking? Has he got race to Dubai top sixty in it? I'd, I'd have to check. I'll investigate. I, yeah, I, he's um, he's uh, not in the field for the golf in Dubai championship next week, which not not that I've seen anyway. Um, which is the kind of uh, hors d'oeuvre to the uh, to the final uh, event at the Earth he, course. He's one hundred one hundred and eighty first in the mm. race to Dubai ranking. There you so. Go. Um, I mean, his, what's it what you get with the Open Championship? So he'd get the five-year exemptions into the other majors, right? So his are going to run out. So his last year is 2021 from his 2016 win. So like that could be a very rapidly declining status situation for him after the season to come, this season. I love Rob Bolton. Just a shout-out to Rob Bolton, PJ Tour. Um at the moment, he's got an invite to the Masters. He's got an invite to the PGA. Uh, there's no WGC invite yet, Mexico. So, yeah, some he'll be relying, I suppose, on that. Yeah, on that Open victory, won't he? But clearly, he's he's packed the European Tour in from what, unless he's, there's a late entry into Dubai next week. Yeah, no, not that I've seen, but um, yeah, even so, from that position that Barry just described, it would be. Win or nothing, I think. And, and to be fair, next week isn't a particularly high-yielding um, no. purse. So it's not, is I, it? expect it's, um, I expect it's a, a non-starter, effectively. He slipped outside the top 60 in the world. He's 58th now. So, it, mm. you know, there's there's some acceleration required on his side. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, well, top 50 at the end of the year isn't the end of the world, is it? I mean, if you can have a, a good Florida swing or you start well on the West Coast, you, you're back in there. But yes, it, it's clearly a concern for these guys that have been elite for such a length of time. Stenson had those couple of years, didn't he, where he fell from world's top 10 to mm. top 200 and fought his way back. Mm. We haven't seen that from Ricky yet. And, and you know, I said to you guys a few minutes ago, in Ricky's situation, one of his best friends in golf is Jordan Spieth, and we've seen what's happened with Jordan. That that upward curve just hasn't come yet. He's now 79th in the world, Jordan Spieth. Started the year in 44th spot. Yeah. Craziness. The, the slide comes rapidly, doesn't it, if you, uh, if you stop accumulating those big results. No wins and no, you know, if you're not getting the top fives or the top tens in decent events, you're just going to slide down that world ranking at a rate of knots. Hmm. All, uh, yeah, just interesting times in golf and golf betting in general. Um, Let's talk Alfred Dunhill Championship, shall we? Clearly, Mm. um, the focus of the betting industry this week from a golf perspective. Uh, do Do you want to take us forward, Paul? Yeah, yeah. So we've got the Alfred Dunhill this week, um, South African Open, and the Golf in Dubai Championship, which I just mentioned next week. You're going to um, be a busy we... lad. Yes, yeah, it's going to be a busy week next week. The, the podcast will be about an hour and three quarters next week, so it's going to be going to be a long one unless we can try and find a way to curtail it. Um, so yes, this needs muster a lot of these players who are still trying to get into the um, the top sixty. 
and, and make the uh, the earth course in a week or so, well, a fortnight's time. And um, actually, I mean, the, given that we're sp splitting the tour next week, we've actually got two decent events. So the South African Open, um, you've got the likes of Brandon Grace there, uh, Christian Buzwaden, who's staying over, George Kutsaya, um, Matthias Schwab, all in South Africa. Um, and then this new Golf in Dubai Championship, which is being played on the uh, adjacent fire course on the same um, golf uh, piece of land as to the, uh, to the to the earth course. We've got the likes of Danny Willett, Martin Keimer, Westwood's over, Wiesberger, Aaron Rye, uh, Rafa Cabrera-Bello, uh, Eddie Perrett, Paul Matt Wallace, Bobby McIntyre, Thomas Peters. There's some really good names that have uh, committed to that inaugural event next week in Dubai. And don't forget, the results from both of those events will filter into this top 60 position. So um, players will be keeping a close eye on their performance and their relative positions. The only complication with this is that the Dubai Championship starts on Wednesday, so it finishes a day earlier than the South African one. So the South African players, or the players in the South African Open, will clearly have that extra day to assess where they are coming into Sunday and what they may need to do in order to uh, to find their way through to the uh, to, to the uh, top sixty after that, but it should be exciting. I, I can see why the the European Tour have done it and tried to uh, open as many avenues as possible for the players to uh, to find a way into that season finale at the Earth Course. Um, in a week or so's time. So yeah, with that and the RSM next week, it's going to be one of these weeks where we can start doing some of our each-way travels and, uh, and pay for Christmas. <laughs> and next year's holiday all in one. Yeah, assuming, assuming we're allowed to go on holiday. And then the week Christmas. after, we've got Patrick Reed flying over to become the Race of Dubai champion on the European yeah, Tour. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. But I, yeah, wonder, no, I yeah. wonder if Marikawa will come over. Yeah, well, yeah interesting. And Xander. Potentially. Yeah, there's a few of them that have got this kind of affiliate membership or, or you know the status that allows them to play, um, and any kind of performance in the majors from these big guys gets them um, into a seriously lofty position, doesn't it? On the uh, on the race to Dubai, which makes it kind of forced from that perspective. But it's a bit of a mess this year, isn't it? Though with yeah. the, the COVID, yeah, I think they had to do a bit of adaptation. So, yeah. but look, if yeah. it me if it means a higher quality field for us to look at. I you know, mm. in a time of year when the weather is miserable and uh, whatnot, happy days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By, by this point in the year, I mean, what we're now, 24th of uh, November. This is normally the week that we play the DP World Tour Championships. And this this is the, normally the week that uh, you and I down tall, Steve, for um, for six weeks or so and, uh, and, and go and enjoy a little bit of rest and recuperation. But... Uh, no I take back. I take back Xander. He's not in the. He clearly hasn't got the membership. We've got Reed at one, Fleetwood at two, Morikara at three, Westwood four, Perez at five. There's also just scanning down. You've you've even got Sun J M at fourteen. Be interesting to see if him plays. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few, a few big names, isn't there? So, uh, yeah, mm. you know, and then you've obviously got the other players who are jostling for position to, to make up the numbers. So, yeah, it should be good. And, yeah, it should be a good, um, high-quality finale for the uh, for the season. Um, mm. Back to the Alfred Dunhill, then. I mean, this is the first time that I've covered this since 2013, because this normally falls into that post-DP um, World Tour Championship period. And I went back through, as, as I often do, and re read my last preview of this. 
and which sent shivers through my spine. I mentioned it to you the other day, Steve. Imagine it when might... you read next year's uh, next year's Joe Berg Open <laughs> tips that you put <laughs> together last week. I'm taking the week off. Steve. <laughs> um, yeah, because um, I, my, my opening gambit from this from 2013 was talking about the previous week where I backed Henny Otto to win, um, and he was four up with four to play oh, in the event. And um, Barry's depressed this week. Yeah. Imagine what you must have been like then. <laughs> Four, it was up, four with up with four to play, and I, I, I remember it vividly because I, I had, um, I think I had my parents around, or I had some friends around for for Sunday uh, for lunch. And I remember looking at him on the exchange, um, and he was one point oh eight, and thinking, well, do I lay him off and then just go and have lunch and, and forget about it, or do I trust the fact that he's four up and he's going to win? So, um, yeah, inevitably I didn't lay him off. I just let it go, come back, and uh, it it blown his four shot lead and end up losing. Absolute shocker. Wow. So you thought your Kevin Kisner bet last week was bad, Barry? You should try that for it. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. Cl- I'm not claiming like a Hall of Fame failure. No. Uh, that that one that 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 hurts. I think we. I think everybody uh, you know listening to this can identify with a few of those weeks that make their uh, their own personal Hall of Fame of golf pain. Dustin shot Johnson three putting from five feet at the U.S. Open. That was a cracker. I'll give it twelve feet, Steve. But even so, it was painful. Yeah, I remember that was that. a bad one. Mm. Anyway, back to the Alfred Dunning. We've got a decent fielder this week. Uh, Brandon Stone heads the betting at twelve to one. And he he, uh, he won it in twenty sixteen. Six shots he won by. So clearly has some decent uh, memories of this particular track. Uh, Bobby McIntyre, 14 to 1, who won a few weeks back in Cyprus. Uh, Buzwayden, who 18 to 1, decent finish last week after his return from Augusta. Uh, Wilco, 22 to 1, can he bounce back after last week? We shall see. Eddie Pepple, the same price, 22s. Uh, George Gutsaya, Sean Norris, 28 to 1. And then you're into the likes of JB Hansen, last week's winner. Laurie Cantor, Matthias Schwab, 33 to 1. And bar those players, it's 35 to 1 the field. Leopard Creek, uh, one of the most memorable tracks on the circuit, actually. It's on the doorstep of the Kruger National Park uh, with all its wildlife. And there'll be plenty of uh, reference to that during the course of the week. Hippos, lions, giraffes, all sorts of uh, safari-based animals that, uh, that will grace our screens over the course of the four days. But clearly there's a golf tournament to be played as well. Um, the track is 7,249 yard par 72. It's a lopsided 35-37, so um, the back nine tends to be the highest scoring of the, um, or, the, or the, the, the lowest scoring in terms of birdies and eagles of the two halves. The three par fives coming home in the final six holes. There's also a shortish par four on the back nine as well, and it really does make for an exciting back nine, particularly as the... Uh, business end of the tournament comes to uh, come to its close and it's been used here since 2004 and but there, were, there was a major renovation back in 2017 and if you're looking through the uh, event stats for this week you'll notice there was no event in 2017 and that's because of this renovation it took about eight months in total and um, they ripped up all of the fairways and replaced them with Bermuda. There used to be uh, Kikura grass and so they replaced them with Bermuda um, on the fairways. The greens used to be bent grass, which for a part of the world, which is so hot, is a little surprising, I guess. Um, and not surprisingly, they've replaced them with um, what is now G12 champion Bermuda. 
Um, and the net effect of both of those is that it's got much firmer and much faster. The greens, they can get up to about 12, maybe 13 on the stimp if it's dry. And the uh, fairways are also firmer and faster as well. Um, and I guess the, the net effect of all of that, and you can see that from the um, the, the winning totals here, it used to be a 20 under type affair um, to win this. Of the two events that have been played since the uh, since the changes, David Lipsky won in 2018 at 14 under, and Pablo Larathabel won last year at 8 under. And it wasn't particularly windy. I mean, there was a little bit of wind last year, and it was just down to the underfoot conditions last year. Firm and fast, 8 under par, which for a relatively short par 72, and um, with some good score par 5s, gives you an indication that they've toughen this up they've made it um, made it a tricky old affair um, this event now um, last year was memorable because it was played in shorts and the players were played in shorts for the first time in the European Tour due to the extreme heat and today Tuesday the forecast is to get up to 103 Fahrenheit so um, for those guys playing in the uh, practice ground uh, practice rounds or the Pro-Am today that's going to be pretty uh, pretty damn hot um, it does cool down a little bit for the uh, for the tournament days into around about the mid eighties, maybe the high eighties by uh, by Saturday Sunday. Um, there's an outside chance of a bit of rain, maybe a thunderstorm or two, but it doesn't look like it's going to amount to much. So I'm kind of thinking that they're going to keep this as firm and fast as they reasonably can. And again, I'm kind of thinking that um, it's going to be not dissimilar to last year's. Um, uh, you know, the way it played out last year, and I don't think the scoring is going to kind of get away from it. I think um, you know maybe somewhere close to ten under, give or take either either side, is going to be where the uh, the winning total comes from, and that kind of brings different types of players into the uh, into the fray, doesn't it? There's uh, you know a lot of players are only comfortable when they're shooting a lot of birdies, and I don't think that's really the order of the day here anymore. Um, it's a little bit tougher than that. You can go back and you could dissect all of the data from pre-2017, but given the substantial changes, I've focused mainly on um, what's happened since. And if you look at Lipsky, you look at Larathabel, both of those guys hit less than 50% of fairways on their way to victory. Um, Pablo hit more greens, Lipsky scrambled better, um, but ultimately both of them putted well. Um, and I think that, for me, is going to be... Um, the key angle for this, I think you need to play well on the greens. I think you need to um, you know, maximise your opportunities for finding greens from when you inevitably do miss the fairways. Because with these firm fairways, you're going to find a lot of balls running out into the rough. So um, an ability to find the um, putting surfaces from anywhere off the fairway is also going to be a, a, a good skill to have this week, I think. Uh, again, if you look back historically, um, it tended to be a course for specialists. Again, you, you can look at someone like Charles Schwartz, or he's won four times here. Um, uh, Pablo Martin, he won twice back-to-back, back at the start of the 29-2010 uh, season. Um, but since the changes, you've got a different dynamic coming through, I think. Lipsky, um, he was a debutant here when he won a couple of years back. Larathabel hadn't played particularly well here in the past. But then the course changes came in. He finished ninth on, on the debut for the new setup, and then won the year after. And the benefit or the the angle that you can look with both of those guys is they're both very um, Bermuda grass positive. And um, if you look back through their history, you tend to find that they perform better on Bermuda grass greens and Bermuda grass grass setups. Full stop. And I think that's quite an interesting dynamic. Again, going back to twenty thirteen and. 
and prior to that when I used to look at this in more more detail back in the day this was very much a bent grass green focused event for me I, you know that, that would be one of my starting points for this and it kind of makes a lot of that history and that analysis from the days gone past pretty uh, redundant really but also again now it gives us another angle of attack and I think uh, focusing on those kind of players who will enjoy this setup could well be the uh, could well be the angle of attack this week. The par threes are tough here, and they played particularly tough last year. So playing the par threes well, handle the conditions if it does get um, hot, and uh, make some putts on those Bermuda Bermuda grass greens would be the angle I'm adopting for this week. And um, I've backed four players this week. I did. Uh, I went all around the house with a few of them. I was most tempted by uh, Christian Bezuidenu at the top of the betting. Um, he finished 18th here at his 2018 effort once it had been renovated. 15th last week, having returned back from Augusta. Um, his price is pretty prohibitive for a player um, at the top end of the betting, but I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him have a big week. Um, if you want the last player off my list, that was Laurie Cantor. Um, so lump on Laurie, because that tends to be the way it all works with this with this game. Um he could well improve on his 14th place finish last year. And he's been particularly unlucky not to win recently. He's been very, very close. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a, a decent effort out of Laurie Cantor. But again, at 33 to 1, he's, you know, he's, he's getting short enough now to, uh, you know, the bookies have got their, got their claws into him, I think. So um, i passed on both of those guys. Uh, the four I've gone for, um, top of the shop, Jorge Campillo, who... I picked up yesterday at 60 to 1. Um, historical form here of miscut 44, miscut 41 doesn't really um, fill you full of um, anticipation of his performance this week. But that all predates the course changes. And I think the updates here um, should suit him perfectly. Um, it's not all that bad if you look back. He was 12 to halfway on his second attempt here. Um, and I expect him to make a much better fisting at this time on Bermuda Greens for the first time. Third at the Cypress Showdown last time, we saw him. All parts of his game looked really good, actually. Um, and before that, post-lockdown, we saw finishes of 8th at the Wales Open, 7th at the UK Championship, 17th at Valderrama, 8th at Villamora. He tailed off a little bit after that, but um, bounced straight back to form last time out at the Cypress Showdown. I think he may well continue that form here this week. Um, talking about Bermuda form, um, he's second. he finished second, um, in Malaysia, historically, second in Qatar, back when it was played at Doha. Third at the Indian Open. He's got some decent form in the desert swing as well. And um, if you look at his most recent win, it was at Education City at the new track for the um, for the Qatar Masters. That is played in Paspalum, um, but you shouldn't ignore that completely, as we know the, the two surfaces can play in a similar kind of fashion. Um, 13th, oh, 13 under he finished that week, 9 under when he won his other European Tour events. So both of those numbers are very much in the ballpark for this week, I think. And so I was quite happy. I expected Campia to be quite a bit shorter than that, given his finish of third on his last start at the Cyprus showdown. So uh, quite pleased with that. Um, Jamie Donaldson, similar kind of price. Jamie Donaldson, I backed at 50 to 1. Not dissimilar um, reasoning, really, for, for the Welshman. He makes, again, makes his debut here. Interesting to see that Donaldson has added this event to his uh, to his list this year. He clearly wants to continue some of the fine form that he's shown recently and 
try and find that elusive win that he hasn't uh, hasn't had for for some time on the European tour now. Um, a former Abu Dhabi champion, just like last year's winner Pablo Larathabel, and I think he should like what he sees here this week. Um, as I say, recent form. He hasn't won for five years now. But you might find, you know, the, the, the recent wins of the likes of Ross McGowan and Mark Warren might inspire him. They had similar kind of droughts before um, winning their recent um, events over on the European Tour. And since lockdown, you've got finishes from Donaldson of 15th at the Hero Open, 14th at the English Championship, 10th at Valderrama, 9th at Fairmont, third at the Cyprus Open. He made the final day at the Cyprus Showdown as well. So he's been kind of edging closer and closer. And those last two events were events where he, he entered the final day in a, a tie for the lead in both occasions. So he's clearly getting far, far, far closer to uh, to a proper um, contending and potentially a winning performance um, on the European Tour. The tough conditions here. And for one, for a player who I think plays well in when, when scoring isn't quite as free, Jamie Dawson ticks that box as well. So I'm um, quite happy to, to side with him this week. The final two, um, one of them's the kind of the, the plunge of the week, Xander Lombard, who I picked up yesterday eighty to one. He's currently fifty five to one. He's been tipped up um, by all and sundry, it would seem. And uh, I guess if the race, if the racing post put him up later today as well, then um, make you, make you, that four zero to yeah, one or forty think, to one. <laughs> I think it will be sub fifty to one definitely, and yeah. And again, you know, the story is quite straightforward with him. Um, third here in 2018 after the changes, seventh in 2019. On both occasions, he had good chances to win, really. I mean, he was right in the mix last year. He played some really good stuff. He's a talented lad, is uh, Xander Lombard. It's just not quite happened for him yet on the European Tour. Um, he was right in the mix last year. He needed an eagle in the end on the 72nd hole after making a bogey on the 14th, I think it was. Um and uh, he had to go for it on the final hole, found the water, made a made an eight in the end, and uh, ended up finished seventh. Which, if you'd have backed him to the top six last year, you would have been ripping your hair out. But uh, I, you can't blame him for a try, and he's got to have a go in that kind of situation. And uh, you know, I don't think he'd do anything different should he find himself in a similar situation this year. Hopefully, with our money on board, he can um, he can pull it off if he does find himself in that kind of position. Uh, he's, he's come close in the past as well. He lost the playoff to Alvaro Quiros in Sicily a few years back. And um, clearly a capable lad. And perhaps, just perhaps, um, with no crowds, that'll help him to, to keep his cool as we get to the business end of proceedings this week, should he find himself in the mix. Which I suspect he will. I think he's that kind of player who's going to be right in the, uh, right in the mix this week. Finally... I've kept the faith with Scott Hend, who I put up last week, Mr. Cut. Um, he's been pushed out. I mean, I picked him up yesterday at 350 to 1. Um, most of that's gone now, but generally, widely available still at 250 to 1. And um, if, you, if you read his Twitter, he's, he's quite amusing on Twitter, actually. Um, he talks a lot about his game and his life and uh, how many bottles of red that he's drunk the previous night. Um, and he's been playing down his chances. All the guys who um, ask him whether he's a decent bet for the week, he'll, he'll, he'll always say no. Um, but I think he's been playing some uh, some quietly decent stuff. And I, if anything, this week suits him better than last. Um, I've always talked about Scott Hen being a player that I like to look at on um, Bermuda grass greens. All three of his European Tour wins have come on Bermuda grass greens. 
Mm. And the most recent of which was at Sorjana for the um, the Malaysia or the Maybank Championship. And yeah. if you look back historically there on that track, David Lipsky's finished runner-up there. Pablo de Rathabel's finished third there. Um, clearly Scott Hen won there last year. So there may be a nice little course link there. And, and again, very, very similar greens to what we expect here this week. You always say short, fiddly and high scoring Bermuda grass events. Yeah, yeah. Ticks, when I say high, I mean not low total. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Not a Bernie fest. Yeah. No, no, no. And and the fact that and again, if, when he when he plays well, you'll often you'll often see a statistic for Scott N where he may hit sub fifty percent of fairways, but find 80 percent of greens regulation. That's absolutely acceptable here. That is, in fact, that's probably the blueprint for the winner. So. Um, Despite the fact that he disappointed last last week, he has you know his price has clearly been pushed out. It's about double what it was last week. Um, you, know, you don't have to look far back to see some decent form. Tenth at the BMW PGA Championship, eleventh at the Scottish Open, both decent efforts in recent times. So, yeah, happy to uh, to bite the bullet, give him another go. Um, I say there's still a bit of two hundred and fifty to one out there if you fancy Scott Hend. Um, the other the other tips were Xander Lombard. Um, Jamie Donaldson and top of the shop was Jorge Campillo for my four against the field this week. On Betfair Exchange, Lombard is currently 55, Campillo at 60, Donaldson at 65, and Scott Hend is 3 3 0. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think he's got a far better chance than that, I must say. Far better chance. Well, you've always told me. Exactly that. Short, fiddly Bermuda grass, a stretching target. That's the kind of thing where Scott pops mm. up from pretty much obscurity. Yeah, yeah, and he's not he's got, he's not the kind of player who, who wins off the back of a third or fourth place the mm, week before. No. He's, a, he's, a, he's a miscut win type player, isn't he? So, yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll see how that goes. We'll see if we can see if we can improve on last week's performance overall. Eh? Barry, based on your suicide... Packed after Kevin Kisner. Have you had any time to look at some some players for this, or have you have, has your interest been uh, peaked, so to speak? Uh, I liked what Paul said about Lombard, so I did. Uh, I jumped on that. Uh, not overly convinced on Campillo, and uh, not to rag on Paul's uh, picks, <laughs> but I'm I've currently got uh, Bet three six five fired up here to see uh, about a miscut accumulator for his four picks. <laughs> Oh, right. uh, cheers, Barry. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so, this week I have uh, my number one pick is Will Besseling, who has been yeah. popping his head up a good bit recently. Uh, Had last year, didn't he? Yeah, finished third here last year. Um, little mm. bit of an iffy week last week. Uh, missed the cut, but there was, you know, it was just his second round was a 69 back to his kind of stats of banging the ball out there uh three three seven he hit it off the tee in round two it's over 70 percent gior uh beating a season average for putts for the round so look he's got the his season-long stats for are kind of match up quite nicely for what i'm looking for this week pretty high in gior um he's fourth in the european tour rankings for that his putting needs to just improve. Like, if he improves one putt around this week uh, on his stats, he should be well up there in contention. So, 
Uh, I liked what I liked what I saw with Besseling, and he's actually gone out from forty to one when I backed him to fifty to one. So, like the degenerate I am, I just topped up on it. You know, let's let's go for it. Um, he, he's seven thousand eight hundred on DraftKings. That that to me, when I when I first looked at the event stats, Paul, that you pulled together for the website, he was the first name that I mean, when you just see third last year. And you know that bezeling's been there or thereabouts for a number of months, just keeps popping up. I must admit, that's one that really popped with me as well, Bezeling. Mm. Oh, he, he had a huge chance to win last year. Huge chance to win. It's, um, it just mm. didn't quite happen. And look, there's a nice little bit of extra motivation for him that he's got the top 60 of the race to to, to, to Dubai in within touching distance. He's 66 at the moment. So, mm. you know, a couple of a good performance this week. See what he, see what he does in the fire course, and he could find himself in the top sixty for um, the parade around the Earth course for a nice payday at the end of the year. Mm. Yeah, uh, I like that angle. So next we have uh, Scott Jameson. Don't know why, but just seemed to pop out for me when I was looking through. He's got like his last two outings in at this event, uh, or a third and a fourth. He didn't play last year, but the third would have been after the course changes. So, you know, that's an, another nice little angle there. Uh, he finished 20, 20th last week. Love South Africa, Barry. In terms of his performances in South Africa, you can't yeah. you can't knock him. I was asked a similar question on Twitter yesterday, and. I mentioned him last week, him and Drysdale, their records in South Africa is just amazing. So, yeah, I'm on Jameson again this week and Drysdale. Mm-hmm. They pop up in South Africa just regularly. Yeah, and he, he's outside that top 60 uh, for the season finale as well. He's in 79th at the moment. So, yeah, needs to needs to just put, put a little something together. But, you know, that 20th last week is a very good starting place for him going into this week to a yeah. tournament he's had, uh, you know, good results in before. So, buying Scott Jameson. I've also backed both of those first-round leaders. I've kind of been matching up my picks with first-round leader bets as well, just to cover both of them. If they all fail, like I did at the Masters a couple of weeks ago, then, you know, so be it. But uh, it's just kind of gives me peace of mind if they win or they they, they bust so yeah. that's what I've done matched up Bell those Belt braces Barry Belt and braces yeah all in all in <laughs> um, so he likes a fast start doesn't he Jameson yeah yeah and he's capable of a capable of a low one as well he was tempting I mean, he, he, again it's his performances on this track historically and also uh, in wider South African events you know you've got to shortlist him Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's just hadn't been quite getting close enough to the uh, to the lead at the business end for me recently. But uh, that's not to say that he won't do it this week. I can see that. I can see the logic. Um, then who was the other one? Sorry, uh, Julian Suri. Uh, kind of been a fan of his ever since uh, he was on the one of the no laying up shows. You know, very witty guy, very good golf swing, and he's been showing little bits of form here and there. Probably could do with a good performance, so just no real logic to it other than uh, he might. He's not quite on the auto bet list, but um, he's poking his head up around it. So back to him. But sorry, but rolling back to first round leaders, Johan Veerman has been just coming out of the blocks like a greyhound the last few weeks, and then fading away. So I've just bet him for first round leader and left it at that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I can see the logic in that as well. It's uh, yeah, as I mentioned last week that I backed him previously at the um, uh, the Joe Berg Open at the start of the year, and he opened I think with sixty two that week. So. Um, and then kind of faded away. But that has been his MO recently, isn't it? He's, he's, he's mm-hmm. been getting himself into position. You see his name on the leaderboard and then kind of slowly slips away during the course of the four days. 45 to 1 or 50 to 1 on Veerman available right now. First round leader. Yeah, and so that's sort of where I landed mm. for the week. Uh, we shall see. It's be... Uh, yeah, between the three of us, like you know, going back to the reviews earlier, we do have uh, some diversity between our picks. So you'd think we'd catch a winner between the three of us more often than not. So let's see if this is the week we can turn that around. Yeah, potentially, potentially. So you said um, Jameson and uh, Drysdale, Steve. You got? I did. I'm back? backing because I, I went with those Scot. I went those Scots yesterday, uh, last week, didn't I? And you know what it's like. Drysdale will just come from nowhere, and all of a sudden, you you know, you you bet last week looked stupid. The week after, the 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 gut feel for me when I looked at this, and it was literally a ten minute look, was continue with Drysdale. He's uh he's he's a lot shorter this week, but that's based on his uh, course record around here, which is clearly it's reasonably decent, isn't it? You can get one hundred twenty five to one on Drysdale, and again, he's him and and Jameson are quite close. They just need a top result this week and I think they'd squeak into the top 60 for the race mm. to Dubai yeah, and that's close. got to be a huge carrot um, Jameson yeah I'm I'm with Barry on that one my gut and feel was bezeling uh, he, he he started quite well and when, when you see such a train building don't you on certain players uh, you know I, 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 I think Xander Lombard is also worthy of a Shekel, yeah. or two each, shekel or two each way. He'll, he'll be this week's Pat and Kazire on Twitter, I think. Yeah, he'll finish tied ninth, yeah. And uh, he'll probably, like you say, he'll, he'll probably, uh, what, an eight on the on the final par five there, on the 18th? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I say, both years he's had a really good chance to win. So clear, clearly really gets on with the, the course as it is in its current incarnation and, uh, and it's, uh, playing some decent stuff. So good combination there. So you've got two events next week and we've got the final PGA Tour event yeah, as well over in Mayakoba. It's going to be a packed It's going to be show. busy, isn't it? It's going to be a packed old show, yes. Uh, I always look forward to the Earth Course finale as well. And, and this year with the field that we we hopefully will get with a lot of these um, travelling Americans coming in. I mean, Tony Finau could come over as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 36th in the race to Dubai. Adam, Scott, Adam Scott's in there. You could have a very, very high class field. If yeah. Tony if Tony wins, then it still doesn't count as a breaking his duck for being a Puerto Rico Open winner. Of course it doesn't, because <laughs> you know on the Masters website it will still say one career victory, yeah, even yeah, yeah. if he wins the uh, PJ Tour website. Same, yeah, one yeah. victory. They don't count, yeah. do, they? do you know what? Last last week on the telecast, they were they ran through. I can't remember who it was, but they were showing their European Tour victories, and I was like, who is in charge this week? I mean, this is unprecedented for them to even mention European Tour victories. Mm. Wow, um, I th- it might it might have been. Um, Tyrrell Hatton, it was it was one of the or, or you know it was one of the prolific win you know guys you know four five seven six seven wins, so uh, it was interesting. Did you see? Um, actually, just flipping back to the Masters quickly and mentioning wins, when the Masters were showing the 
winners of the tournament. Uh, they didn't actually mention anything to do with the tournament other than its location. So there was giving they were giving no props to the sponsors whatsoever. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. oh okay. So yeah, winner in Houston was that yeah, the yeah, term? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Very, very. No, f- no free ads. <laughs> no, all these different yeah. angles. Right. Well, thank you for your time, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure as always. No problem. Best luck with your bets this week, boys. Yeah. Good luck, everyone. Good luck to yeah. Good luck to all the listeners. Um, I hope you enjoyed the uh, podcast. As ever, five star review would be much appreciated. Um, it just helps to spread the word with our uh, with our podcast channel friends, especially Apple Podcasts. Uh, so whatever you can do to help us with that would be much appreciated. Right, thank you for your time. We'll be back again next week. Goodbye.